Welcome to I Love My Club By with me, your host, Seamus Barry, the podcast that gives you the insight into our local games of hurling and camogie. Join us as we take a look at some of the characters around the county on I Love My Club By. Welcome to episode seven of I Love My Club By, the podcast that brings you closer to our local games of hurling and camogie in Waterford. I'm delighted to say this week we have Brian O'Halloran, the man from Clashmore, Kinsale, Big. Um, I suppose Brian would have been known for playing for Waterford for over nearly 10 seasons uh, during his time senior, which he, in most of the time he would have lined out in the, either the full forward or the wing forward line. Um, he has a, a, a glamouring uh, CV, as you would say. He won a Fitzgibbon with Mary Immaculate, MI, I suppose people would know him. And then with his own Clashmore, of course, he's won some minor football title. He's also won a couple of intermediate championships. Um, I suppose looking to Waterford, Brian then has a, a couple of different uh, winnings uh, with Waterford career statistics. He won a league. Uh, he also won two Monsters. And he made 47 appearances and he scored 37 points. Brian, how are you? Very good, Seamus. Very good. Uh, you're, I believe you're in a classroom talking to me right now. I am. I am. I am doing a few uh, a small bit of paperwork at the end of the day. But, but Easter holidays are, are not too far away, so I'm sure... Uh, not many people will have much sympathy for teachers at the moment, but um, yeah, doing a small bit extra. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say to you, uh, teachers, you, people say you have a handy number, you know, with, with the summer holidays and uh, I suppose midterm and Christmas. and But uh, a lot of work, I'd say, you have to be done behind the scenes that people aren't aware of. Yeah, there is. Look, it's it's a job. If you like it, it's it's a great job. Um, But a lot of the people who do give out about it, I don't think they would actually last in a classroom for too long with, with 30 kids. You know, it's an acquired taste in a way, but... You know, if you do like it, it is a great job. And look, the call a spade a spade. Having the having the time off in the evenings and and the holidays, it, it's brilliant. And you know, it's it's a great life balance, I suppose, as well. But there are things probably that people don't see. They, you know, they think you you're right. You land in at nine and you're gone again at three. There's there's a bit more to it than that. But um, I'm not going to say teaching is an especially, um, you know, difficult job at times. You know, if you like it, it's a great job to be honest. And what do you teach, Brian? Uh, takes primary school so I have six class at the moment um so um there's 12 subjects on the curriculum and there's loads of other random stuff thrown in so I I, I love the the primary school teaching I was considering secondary school you know years ago um and maybe doing P and Irish and things like that but I kind of settled on primary school and I'm thrilled with my choices you know I love dealing with the with the younger kids and you know towards the end of primary school getting them ready for secondary school and big bad world I suppose so I enjoyed that aspect of teaching and was did you always want to be a teacher like from when you were younger obviously given your your career in hurling and um, you're always going to be active in sport but had you a plan lined out from when you were going to leave school or head into college what you were going to do I was very lucky yes uh through secondary school I suppose you start thinking of jobs and maybe fourth year on and I all teaching always stuck out um, some of the like I wasn't too skilled in a lot of other areas I knew I didn't want to be in an office or IT job that wasn't for me um, you know I wasn't too good with my hands as regards manual kind of woodwork and tech graph and stuff like that so you know there wasn't loads of options for me I liked working with people and things like that and teaching just seemed like one of the obvious jobs I worked on a on a few summer camps when I was younger and I enjoyed them and it just seemed like the natural thing to to aim for to be honest and it was uh, yeah it was fairly seamless as I said I was very lucky that I knew from an early age that 
it was something that appealed and I was glad that it, it did appeal and I'm glad it's, it's, it went so well and it's going so well. And would you see, like you said, you were doing summer camps, would you see a crossover, you know, uh, obviously people that coach in the GA or help out in their local club, um, it must build your confidence, you know, especially speaking to youngsters and you can control a room and you get respect and you give respect. There must be, there must be a big crossover there. Oh, huge, huge. Um, the summer camps, I learned probably more at them than a lot of aspects of, of Mary I in college, you know, um, you know, you learn, you learn loads about kids on them camps, the way they behave, the way they operate, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. Um, it's real hands on those camps. And, you know, like a lot of people are probably daunted by coaching young kids, but look, the nurseries at the moment in, in, in Waterford, you know, there's well kids, which I'm involved in, in, in Waterford. They're a great way to get involved in coaching and you know there's a great buzz of coaching of coaching kids and um as you said you know you can teach them j skills and movement skills but you can always teach them bits about respect and and how to kind of carry yourself and the camps are great for things like that it's a funny one because you say obviously it's great to coach kids i would actually go again and say adults are actually tougher to coach than kids in way, yeah, in ways they are, and I, th- I agree with you, I think the same, but I would think the perception of if someone wants to get started in coaching, I think they generally lean towards the older ages because maybe they think they won't have to deal with short attention spans or behavioural difficulties or things like that. So I think the perception is that, you know, it's easier to coach adults or older people, but uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's actually easier to, you know, to coach the younger children once you get used to it now it might be hard at the start because they find it hard to follow instructions and you know you want them lined up properly and things like that and they might find that hard but once you overcome those little things it is actually easier and with the the well kids obviously the initiative there was a launch night a couple of weeks back uh, yeah up, up in um, dungarvan um do you see like with the current structures that are in club in waterford and around ireland especially underage, do you think there's a case to be said for maybe taking the scores away in underage, maybe from like under 12 down? It's something we're looking into, but when I see kids in school, I, I do think we need to balance the kids by nature. They have this competitive nature. And I suppose I wouldn't like that taken away either. Like, you know, you watch the kids on a playground and, and they are keeping score themselves. You know, there could be seven-year-olds. They could be playing a game of catch and throw, but they're, you know, they're making a little game out of it. And, you know, winning and losing isn't probably a bad thing. Um, I do think that, you know, you're talking about under 12 matches. It does annoy me to see, you know, a lot of subs in those games on both sides. Um, like surely we could make a bigger pitch and have no subs or something like that. I think at times we're bound maybe stupidly by rules. Oh, this is a 13 aside competition. You know, if both teams land on with 17, why not play 17 aside? You know, it might be a small bit crowded, but you know, there's nothing worse than seeing a 10 year old standing on the sideline waiting to come on. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, the scores wise, yeah, look at a very young age, I don't think they need to be, you know, under sevens and eights. And I don't think, Scores are a big thing, and I think Warford doing a great job. But I do think, yeah, once they get, you know, us over a certain age, I think the children themselves will want to know about winning and losing. And you know, sometimes it's no harm to to learn about losing. You know, life is it's difficult at times, and 
maybe if we shy away from the losing part of it, you know, they won't learn to lose. And it's probably something, you know, you need to know at an early enough age that, you know, life isn't perfect. You can't win all the time. There'll be some disappointments and defeats along the way. And, and maybe introducing that at an early age, it, it can, you know, be a bit of character building for the kids. And like, I suppose the, the reason I'm saying it is, uh, I, I know my own club, but given your club, say, what, what's your underage structure at? Like numbers wise, would you be, have big numbers underage? We'd be very average kind of rural club, Seamus. Um, as I said, we introduced the well kids about kind of we trialed something like it in Clashmore about two years ago. So we've seen a great increase in kind of the four, five, six year olds starting off in the club. There was nothing much there for that age before in Clashmore. Like a lot of clubs, we hadn't done nurseries. But suddenly now on Saturday mornings, we kind of have our 30 and 40, four, five, six year olds there. And I'd say what's getting a bounce off that then is the seven and eights this year. They're kind of continuing to stick with it. So, you know, you probably have, you know, most of our ages, you know, underage seem to be healthy enough. And then, you know, you will lose a few along the way. They'll, they'll, they'll go at different sports and they might fall out of love with it. But, um, you know, once we get to 10s and 11s, you know, we're, we're doing OK. We have a team in kind of most ages and sometimes it's a struggle for numbers like a lot of rural clubs. Um, I think Jay probably isn't the be all and end all for a lot of kids like it was maybe years ago. There's a lot of other attractions and a lot of other things to be doing now. So look, it, it, it is a struggle once you get to a certain age and, um, you know, maybe, you know, getting coaches is a struggle as well and things like that. So no, it's, it's not easy to keep two clubs going, to be honest. Yeah, because the, the way I see it, obviously, um, I'm at a lot of games underage, including my own club, but there's teams and it's not their fault. It's not the club's fault that they have three or four teams in A, B, C, uh, in different yeah. age groups. And like, for example, I would remember playing against yourself under 14, 16 minor, going up to Clashmore, you coming down to us. And we would have always been in the B. Um, you know, you yeah. would have got a team that go into the A. But what you see is teams are, certain clubs, and it's not just one club, particular clubs are winning the C, B and A in a certain age they have maybe 45 players up to the age like i know in my yeah. own club we would have had seven or eight up to the age in our minor team that would have played against yourself yeah that's the yeah issue, and it, it is and i don't know what the answer is to that because you know you you want to give all those big clubs you want to give all their kids a chance of playing as well um I know in, in some clubs in Cork, the likes of Nemo Rangers, they don't pick a, you know, an A team, a B team and things like that. They try and have, uh, you know, three or four even teams, if you get me. Mm. Um, so they put some of their stronger kids with some of their weaker kids. And that seems to work for them. And maybe that's an avenue that some could go down. It's, it's not an easy problem to answer. You know, the clubs with big numbers they're important too and you know you want to keep as many hurling and fo playing football in those clubs as well but having said that you're dead right you know you don't want those clubs to be winning two titles out of the four on offer it's just not healthy for for competition i suppose it's an interesting one about the nemo rangers because an uncle of mine always used he you know, still says it to me that what he used to do when he was coaching underage, he coaches uh, soccer and stuff. He'd always take his strongest player and ask him to go and drills with his weakest player to try and prove him. So maybe if you have that balance, because like you said, if you have an A team that have 15 to 20 superb hurlers and you have a C team that has 15 to 16 average hurlers, surely in order for someone, not even hurling any walk of life, we, we get better by learning off someone with experience or someone who's at a higher level at us. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, it's not a problem, unfortunately, that most clubs in Watford are going to have. They'll be laughing at the thought of having a few teams. But yeah, for the big clubs, it is something maybe that could be explored. As I said, I know it's something that Anemo Rangers, they promoted for years. And what, you know, as you said, kids will learn a bit from coaches, but you will learn loads more with the lads you're playing with and training with. And you'll see how a fella is hitting the ball well or how a fella is moving well. And you'll learn little nuggets by playing with him. And likewise, you know, the good lads, it teaches them a bit of empathy and things like that, that look, we can't all be brilliant. And like, if they're playing with a lad who's only getting used to playing earlier football, it might frustrate him a while that he's not as good as he'd like him to be. But, you know, it teaches him a lot as well about life, you know. That's it. Like, and like you see, you know, boys and girls, sometimes when they come into 16, 17, they get a growth spurt or they develop their skills and they actually go on to be better than probably some of the players that were the best players, say, under 14 or 15. It's not always that player is guaranteed to be what they are in the, in the future. But um, looking at, I suppose, I always want to emphasize the club, but I want to touch a bit on Waterford first because you got put in the spotlight at a very young age in the senior setup. I did, I did. Um, I had a good year uh, as a minor. Uh, my last year as a minor, I things went very well for me. We won the monster. I mean, I got we got to our Ireland semi final, and you know we had a very good team. And I wasn't one of the best on that team. Um, I was a solid performer in the half forward line, but you know the likes of Martin O'Neill was taking the freeze. Um, you know, Philip and Dara Fives were there, Saki was in goal. Our you know, I wasn't boys, the, I think was playing cornerback from Pasco. he was indeed, he was indeed, yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't the standout, but in the last game in the semi final in Crow Park against Galloway, it kind of went, you know, especially well for me, I suppose. And Davy Fitz made contact the following a few months later and asked, Would I come in to the senior setup? I was doing my leaving search, so. I said no just because I wanted to get primary teaching and it was going to be a bit of a, you know, all hands on deck to get the points. So um, look, inter-county hurling, it wasn't going to be uh, conducive to getting high points in my leaving. So I said no to Davey. Thanks a million for the offer. And it was a privilege. And I remember going down and meeting him um, and seeing some of the lads training. And it was, you know, it was a privilege to be asked, but I had said no. And Look, he said he might be in touch later on in the year. To be honest, I, I, I kind of forgot about it. And he rang, I think I'd won a subject left in my leave insert, and he rang and said, would I come training in, you know, 10 days' time when the leaving was over? And I said, I'd give it a go then. And it kind of, yeah, it, was, it went dreamlike for the first while. I went down training, and it was, you know, it was brilliant meeting lads that I'd been seeing for years and kind of played without fear. And I, I was training well. Um, did I literally expected to carry the water for the year and it was just going to be experience and things like that but um, I was we drew the monster final about two or three weeks after I came on board and the following week was the replay and I came on in the replay um, yeah, I knew the way David had been talking to me yeah yeah that was the game that Dan scored the goal actually yeah, yeah. and so I knew the way David was talking the week beforehand that you know, I had a chance of coming on and I was stunned, but the day of it, I was kind of half prepared the way Dave had been speaking and the Munster final went well, got a point, we won, dreamlike stuff. Um, before the semi-final then, a few weeks of training went well as well and, I, you know, Davey was saying I was in contention to start and again, I wasn't overly phased by it. I felt that, you know, I had nothing to lose and things like that, but look, just up in Crow Park in the semi-final, things went disastrously for me. 
Um, you know, the idea sounded fine that I was fast and, you know, the ball would be sprayed to the corner and I'd have the pace to get there. But look, these things don't always work. Like they sound lovely on paper, but the first few balls came in were kind of, you know, 50-50 and I hadn't a hope physically or, you know, craft-wise, cuteness-wise, I was totally new to the inter-county scene and I was blown away by by Paul Kern. He was full back, I was full forward and, you know, I, I wouldn't, if there was another 20 balls hitting between us that day, I wouldn't have won Manny, to be honest. Um, Just just the way it was, I wasn't probably probably ready. Um, I wouldn't blame Davey either, you know, he had a plan and just... The plan didn't work. It, it was a good plan. And, I, you know, if the ball came in differently or perfectly, I might have won a few of them. But look, that's that's not the way it was. You know, it, it, it went. And that's just one of those things that happened. And how, how, like, how did you deal with that after? Because, like, I remember being at that game. And obviously, like I said, I would have played against you a couple of times underage. And, you know, like, if you go into a match and you'd be there going, Jesus, you see Brian O'Halloran's uh, name to start today. And you're like, he's fair young. And you're like, I ah, yeah, but he's fast, like you said. And, you know, he, he, Crow Park, plenty of space. So for you, like there was probably nothing to lose for you going into it. But I suppose from Waterford, we were kind of, as a fan's perspective, we were there going, there's an exciting young prospect coming through. And then when it doesn't happen, you start to hear, which you'll always get regardless of what sport you're in, like negative stuff coming in. You know, he shouldn't have started. He's too young. He's not proven. Davey got it wrong. And look, you'll always get that. You'll always have naysayers. But did, did you get did you get protected from that or did you hear any of that? Um, no, I, I didn't get protected from. I don't know how I don't know how someone could protect you either. Like you know, I'm not going to blame anyone for not protecting me. No, I was exposed to it. I, I you know I, I heard most of it. Um, you know, maybe more experience. You wouldn't read the papers the next day. I'd say I did. Um, kind of wallowed in how bad it had went. Um. There wasn't much hiding away from it. No, it was it was a bad time. I felt like, you know, felt a bit embarrassed and ashamed, to be honest. Um, but I was going to college. Yeah, I got my leaving cert results a few days later and I was going to college. And look, there was good things happening in my life as well, thankfully. Um, I suppose I did carry maybe the, you know, the shame of it around a bit. I felt starting college, I was the fella who had been taken off after 20 minutes in Crow Park, you know. Mm. And I felt that when people were you know, been introduced to me that I felt that was the first thing they were thinking. Um, and not that I, it didn't get me down, to be honest. It was just something I had to carry around with me. And, um, uh, you know, no, I, it, thankfully it didn't overly affect me mentally or anything like that. Um, but as I said, yeah, I did feel I'd let, I suppose, my family down a bit. It was tough probably on them hearing the stuff that, you know, he wasn't good enough. He was too young. I felt like I'd let Davey down, the Waterford lads down. And like there were some legends who could have played before me. I just felt you know, general shame and embarrassment about the whole thing. And look, as I said, it's just one of those things that you know, I had to go through and maybe, you know, it stood to me in the long run. Well, that's, that's it, especially the way you're speaking about it now. And, you know, obviously you're talking about your, your mental state and it obviously has done you the world of good in a sense. And like you said earlier about, you know, keeping score, sometimes it's important for losses. It's important. And I always say, if we don't have a bad time, you can never experience in a good time because you, you can't get to that high level because you can not experience a low level. Um, so I definitely agree with you there in terms of the shame and guilt and carrying that around. I was only, I was out playing golf earlier and I was talking to a mate of mine who were playing and I, I said it to him, he was like, if Watford had done this or if, you know, Passage done this and I said, that's the thing in sport, you can't change it, once it's done, it's done but we all feel, like I remember playing, you know, in my own club and you go out in games and 
I used to hear it a lot. People would say, you know, he shouldn't be playing or he's not good enough. And you take it so personally and you feel like you've left people down. But it's hilarious because you're actually putting on a jersey for those people. And like, you're never actually letting anyone down. You know, it's a fact of life. Some things don't go your way. Other days you have good days, you have bad days. But is it amazing how much we take it on board ourselves as if you went out to do that in that all semi semi-final? Oh yeah, we do. We internalize everything. And you know, it's just, it's just the way the mind works, isn't it? You know, you overthink everything and you can think the worst than what people are thinking. And half of them might leave me thinking it. Um, but we're all, you know, as humans, I suppose, we're, we're our own worst critics in lots of ways. And we probably overthink and internalize so much. As you said, we, we think we're letting people down and, you know, we think we've let ourselves down and you know a lot of the time people are just you know they're they're hoping you don't feel too bad and they're you know they're happy with you and they're hoping you're not too down and you know that's the kind of way it works isn't it it, it is indeed um looking at your own club um are you still playing at the moment brian i am i am yeah i loved um yeah i always love playing with clash mork in selbeg um it was one of the reasons probably finishing up at waterford it was made easier in ways that i was keen to go back to the club and you know, throw myself into it for a good few years. Um, so yeah, I always love playing with Clash Morgan Selbeg, and yeah, thankfully we're still still playing away, and hopefully will be for a few more years. And uh, I suppose the aim for this year is get up senior, is it? Yes, uh, we've been kind of half knocking on the door, well, knocking on the door the last few years in intermediate. Um, you know, we were without Tig last year, um, which was a big loss. You know, we'd need probably everyone to to give it a good rattle. And then, you know, this year in intermediate in the West alone, we've um, you know, Bally Duff and Bally Sagart, who were brilliant in senior last year, they're back down. So it doesn't get it's it's not an easy championship to get out of the West, and you know, the standard in the East is very good as well. So it's by no means a given that you'll even make the latter stages. We were we were knocked out last year in the group stages, um, surprisingly, but yeah, look, we'd love to become a, a senior club. Um, just, you know, as I said, to, to say we were senior, it, it's something that wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't even have been a pipe dream in Clashmore when I was growing up that we could have been senior hurling. And the fact it's even mentioned now is is great, but we we would love to get there. And, you know, the likes of Ty, you know, kind of generational player for a club. So, you know, you have to, we'll have to be going up in the next, uh, in the next year or so to, to make it happen. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I agree with you. I think the intermediate in the West is actually the best competition in the, the county um, in terms of junior, senior, intermediate. Um, I think the intermediate West, uh, the overall East and West, yeah, I've watched, I've done a lot of games uh, umpiring and stuff with the East, but the West is is very competitive. Um, it's always a hard one. And like you said, Bally Sagart, Bally Duff coming back down. I mean, Bally Sagart with the, the four lads alone like could could win any game. Um, at senior level they were very unlucky with a couple of results last year so that'll be an interesting uh, championship this year um, looking then I suppose experiences in the GA because you're, you're obviously you're, you're working with well uh, sorry the, the well kids program you're working in a primary school you're heavily involved in your club um, you must love the GA in overall like not just hurling or Gaelic football or handball or camogie or any element of it but you must like you must have some really good experiences with your own club. Uh, yeah, I do, and you know, I oh, at times, it, at times, JRX my head be with the amount <laughs> of stuff that you have to do, like you know, um, but yeah, would I change it? Probably not. Would you know? Would you like to 
have less stuff to do at times, probably, yeah. Um, there seems to be always something to do. Um, but look, it, it, it is something to do and it gives you something to do and you feel like you're giving back um, and things like that. But, you know, you'd love if, if, if more and more people got involved in smaller clubs, I suppose, I'd find in Clashmore, there's probably 10 absolutely outstanding people that carry a lot of the, the burden and running the whole club. And, you know, you'd love, I suppose, if you could spread that out more in clubs. And it's probably the same in every club. And, you know, as great as our club is, it would probably fall apart if four or five people decided to up sticks in the morning, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Um, so, look, it is great. But, it look, brilliant, as you said, brilliant memories. And even now, like, you know, the nursery, the well kids on a Saturday morning, you go up there some mornings and you'd be not dreading it in a way, but you think it's an effort. And when it starts, you, you know, you're buzzing and then on all day Saturday, you're buzzing after it and things like that. And yeah, look, it's brilliant. It, 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 the club, it's it's unreal what it gives to a community. It's it's a hub for all the communities and it's, it's a great place to go for, for young and old. It's a, and like on that note, I suppose um, it's something I, I've highlighted on every podcast. And I was on with Dermot and Dave on Today FM there a couple of weeks ago. And one of the, the main topics of it was mental health. And that's what the GA is. It's an outlet, you know, and um, there's so much going on in the world today. And like that, especially rural areas. I'm from a rural area. So are you like it literally is the hub of the community. It is. And, you know, maybe some people don't feel like that they can go up there and, you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe the J and we, they are trying more and more to open, I suppose, the doors, but like some people feel that they don't play J, they can't go up there. You know, maybe we should do more to realize, look, you can come up and have a coffee up at the J pitch. You don't have to, you know, play anything or train. You can come up and, you know, help to coach kids or help to, you know, wash bibs or help to lay out cones. I think maybe, you know, we maybe could, and I don't know how I'm just thinking out loud now, you know, just make it more, more and more open and try and get as many people who, you know, who feel that they're not into Jay up there as possible. Because as you said, for you and I and Jay people, we all know it's the hub of the community, but there's a lot of people in rural areas who feel like they've nothing to do. They've nowhere to go. And maybe, you know, the Jay club is the place for them in some capacity. It mightn't be a playing capacity or a training capacity, but, you know, it, it might it might give them an outlet once or twice a week and a place to go. That's it. I always say it. I think there's a role for everyone in, in the GEA, like regardless if you're good at finances, if you're good at organization, if you're good at admin work, like you said, washing bibs, making coffee, sandwiches, cleaning out the dressing room, like there's something to be involved with. And like with the different levels that are there from under six or under four, like you said, the whole way up to adult, like there's so many teams, everyone needs a pair of hands. Um, and I suppose we want more and more people to get involved in GA and we want more of a diverse. And I think that's what's happening a lot lately. We see it in the county scene. We have a lot more nationalities. We're seeing it in the underage game as well, which can only be better for us. Like I know the uncle that is playing for um, Cork at the moment, uh, Timmy uh, Wilkes, he's, he's Polish. Um, and he's an absolutely outstanding hurler. He played under uh, seventeen. He's the, is, he, is, is he this? He's is he the sprinter as well? The great athlete. He is. Yeah, he's he's the really quick fella. Um, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He was, yeah. Yeah, he was playing last night. We actually we brought a ref um Cork and Clare last year, and he was just outstanding. And we were yeah. talking because we done Cork and Wexford in a challenge earlier in the year, and we were talking to management after, and they said, uh, "Do you know he only started playing hurling two years ago?" And we were like, Go "What?" Away. Yeah, so like it shows regardless of your your uh, background or you know uh, where you come from, 
once them attributes are there in terms of sport, like there's so many crossovers that people could bring in if someone was a sprinter or played basketball, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're definitely right. Um, so like we, we want to encourage as many people as possible. And I suppose another thing is to get involved in Camogie, not just hurling, you know, um, Camogie is it, the level of Camogie now in Watford at the moment, especially at senior level is outstanding. I know my own club, Galtier. And I think that's another thing. I always say my own club, Galtier, because Galtier is my Camogie club. Um, yeah. You know, my mother and my aunties, my sister would have all played. But I think that that's something that we need to get the male side more involved is like people say add as a camogie club out the road no that's your camogie club that's your area yeah. it's the same as a, a female would say i'm going to watch my club play passenger playing later a clash more playing later yeah no you should you're definitely right and you know one of the one of the key things and what's making well kids so successful is it's for boys and girls and you know if we had said oh no we're we're only the men's club we're only taking the boys we'd only have you know, 15 or, or so there, or 15 or 20 on a Saturday morning, which would be grand. But suddenly now, with you know, when the girls are there, you've 30 or 35 and you have a great buzz there. And um, no, definitely we should be promoting the, you know, the ladies clubs as much. And, and, and as you said, it, it's generally one club and the standard is, is really blossoming the last few years. And, you know, I suppose people should, should acknowledge that and, and try and get involved as, as much as they can. And it makes it easier, I suppose, nowadays with... Um... The name is after uh, going through my head. The the crowd um, that are showing all the games, um, you know, you can get the games whether it's junior, intermediate, senior. A lot of the games yeah. are either on YouTube being streamed, or else you can you can actually buy the games, which I think is a brilliant. I, I I never understood why club games weren't being showed. Like our team might show an odd one in Cork or Limerick, but I mean, I know Buff Egan does a lot of work, and I met Buff recently. And we were chatting about it, and like I think nearly every there's infrastructure there because people will pay to see it and you'll have people traveling around the world like lads that are in Australia, New Zealand that will tune in to watch a game. But then you also have elderly population who might not be able to get to a game or might have moved area. And maybe if there was a big game that a club could show it in their clubhouse and people could go watch it. Yeah, definitely. I know that some clubs, you know, internally will be worried that they might lose out and maybe some county boards, they may lose out on a small bit of attendances if it is on television, but for, for what you lose and what you gain, there's definitely more to be gained from showing the game on YouTube and things like that. When you consider the amount of people that every club have living in America or Australia or England, when you consider the amount of elderly people in clubs who just can't get to the game or, you know, people with disabilities, you're reaching all them. Look, you might be, you might be encouraging one or two or a handful not to go to the game who could go, but that's all it is. So as I said, I think maybe it's a small bit narrow-minded to say, ah, well, the attendance will be less if it's on television or it's on YouTube. For the benefit it brings, losing a few tenors isn't the end of the world. No, and that's it. And also, like, the GEA could actually get in a partnership with a televising um, platform. It doesn't necessarily mean the GEA loses out. Like, if you were working, say, for example, if you were working in a bar or something, and you work in the local pub, say, in Clashmore, and you're like, I can't get down to the match tonight. They're like, sure, grand, we'll throw it on anyway. And it's there exactly. for everyone to see. Like, and like exactly. you said, you might actually get in more people because someone might be there going, Jesus, I've just moved to the area. I I'm, don't really know anything about Harlan. Oh, this is the local team. Okay. Oh, there's the chap that works in the shop. And then they start to get interested and it might actually get people more involved with the local club. I think, I think there's a big, big gap there. Yeah, no, there is. Uh, the year, the COVID 2020, we got to the Western final against Ballyduffin. They beat us on penalties, but... 
a lot of the kids had they were actually seeing more of our games and they knew more of the names that year than any of the years that the games you know they hadn't been on youtube because you know maybe parents couldn't bring them everyone's busy and things like that but um it seemed like a lot of people around clashmore and kinsabeg were you know settling down to watch these games and you know they were definitely reaching a bigger audience than than previously because they were on youtube yeah, we, we played um, Ballygunner in the 2020 senior final and I remember going in and obviously the, no one could attend it, which was one of the strangest things ever. Um, but we were, we were getting togged out in the stand and like we could hear them giving their team talk and they could hear us. And yeah. I remember that morning, like, you know, family members and friends text you, I'll be watching the game later, best of luck, going to tune in for the game, I'm watching the game. And it, it was kind of exciting in a sense because obviously you would have loved as many people to be there as possible. But you had people then during the week saying to you who you wouldn't have known would have been interested in hurling saying, oh, you're playing the weekend. You know, my nephew or my niece is going to put it on the TV. We're going to sit down and watch it. And it made it an event in a sense. like. Yeah, yeah, no, it did. It did. And as I said, I hope it's something that doesn't disappear. You know, I know, I think last year it kind of, a lot of clubs were latching onto it. But, it, you know, it is something. And, you know, I'd be the first to, I'm not great to go to, you know, club games in Watford. I feel that, you know, I spend so much of my time, you know, involved in J stuff with my own club and a few other bits that, you know, I often don't make the effort to go to club games. But I love, as you said, you know, having a few points with the lads. I love when they're on, you know, someone's ever streaming the game on their phone or on the screen in the pub or a few of the lads come over and we watch, you know, Ballygunner is more or something like that. You know, I, I don't see why it's not done more. Yeah, it's 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 a definitely look. Hopefully, it's something that that takes off. And um, I suppose, like, I don't want to keep you too long, as I always say to every guest, because sometimes the conversation just flows, and when you're enjoying it, and you, you kind of get lost in time. But yeah, um, yeah. A, a couple of questions I have for you. Um, your favorite movie of all time? Every J player seems to say the Shawshank Redemption. Um, no, uh, mine is the Wind that Shakes the Barley. Nice, I, 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 I do like that as well. I am going to say, though, mine is Shawshank Redemption. I just, I'm obsessed uh, with that. And, and, that, and that's okay. I think at the, there's, a, there's a train of thought at the moment that popular answers in general, in every, in every aspect of life aren't allowed. I think no one should ever be ashamed of, uh, of loving that film. It's a great one. No, that, that's very true. What about your favourite book? Do you read? I do. I read a, a decent bit. I love autobiographies and things like that. Um, my favourite book... There's a good question. Um, I really enjoyed Jim Stein's autobiography. Um, that was one of the best ones that I read. And there was a book by Damien Lawler last year. It was it's about people when they retired and after retirement, how they cope with it and were prepared for it. I think it was something like when when the light fades or something like that. Yes, yes. Um, but it's well worth a read for anyone. I wasn't thinking about retiring, it was nothing to do. I just it was a book that was new at the time and I thought it'd be interesting. And I love books that you can pick up and go away from because every, it was an individual chapter for each um, sports person. Yeah. So you didn't have to, I would say, remember the last person, but I remember there was snippets from it. They were absolutely brilliant. So that's, it's one of the best books I've read in, in the last while. Favorite sports person outside of GA? Tiger Woods or Raikin. Interesting. Um, if you're going to have three guests past or present for dinner, who would it be? Luke Kelly, Roy Keane, and Derek McGrath. There's, there's a mix of intellectual uh, intellectual stability, huh? Right. There Roy, is, yeah. Roy Keane, Luke. So Luke Kelly would sing, 
Derek will talk about the meaning of all the lyrics and Rai will just tell everyone at the end of the night to do us a favour and head <laughs> off. Um, right, a couple of other questions that we do, I suppose. Uh, best club hurler you've ever played against? Um, or oh, best club hurler I've ever played against? Um, Donny Burnock from Ring has been a standout for, for years for Ring. Uh, he was brilliant and Look, all the Bally Sagar lads, I played against them a few times. The the three lads, um, they're exceptional every time, do you know? Yeah, Donny's a serious footballer as well. Um he is a brilliant dual player, yeah. Yeah, brilliant dual player. I think that's dying out, um, unfortunately. Um, another one, I suppose, for you, the best uh, club hurler you played with in terms of your own club. I have a feeling I know who you're gonna say, but yeah, um, obviously the obvious Mr. Miss. Well, he's actually Burke around here, would you believe? He was he was the Burke in secondary school, and that stuck into his Watford days, but he's actually known as Ty Burke around here. Uh, yeah, look, Ty's really... Um, Edmund, my cousin, he's been a great kind of... He's only about 26 or 7, but he's been actually a stalwart for Clash Moore down through the years and probably one of the most consistent performers among us all. So, you know, Edmund in, in our own club has been a great club hurler. Nice. And... Uh... Have you any unsung heroes in your, your club that does a lot of work behind the scenes that people won't be aware of? Uh, Timmy O'Keefe has, has kept things going for many decades around. I'd say there's not a player alive in Cashmore, past or present, who he hasn't had some influence on. So Timmy O'Keefe has been a great club man. Nice. And just to, to finish it up now, this, this is a deep one, right? Any regrets in your, your GAA career? No. None. Um, I got plenty of injuries at the start, but I don't think I did anything wrong with them and would have changed any, could have changed anything. Um, no, I never look back and really say I should have done that or I shouldn't have done that. And I wouldn't like to, to be thinking that way either. So I, I, I you know, I try not to have J regrets uh, in general. So no, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my lot. I got to do with I got to do a lot more than what a lot of lads would love to do. And look, as I said, I, I never established myself as a, as an inter-county starter and things like that, but I still feel I was luckier than most. And, you know, I don't regret or resent any part of it. But th- that's it, Brian, you know, like looking back on your career with, with Waterford and um, your privilege, obviously, to play, I think anyone that gets to play with Waterford is privileged, but uh, you got to put on that jersey, you get to run out in Turles, you know, Crow Park, um, playing the All-Ireland semi-final you won a Munster title you won a league title um, you scored in, in your debut in front of a full capacity in Turles I mean I, I know you're looking back saying you, you didn't I suppose stamp yourselves into county starter but you could be proud and hold your head up and, and watch it on in your inter-county career yeah yeah and that's it that's it exactly now two seconds James. my senses enumerator is just here to collect my form so I'll just be one, I'll be one second dropping it out to him no problem Brian Now it's not every podcast will be interrupted by a census. I, t- I tell you, you won't see Joe Rogan. Uh, you won't have that Joe Rogan show anyway. No, no, that, that was short and sweet. <laughs> um, look, I suppose looking over the, the, the time that we spent chatting to each other here now, hopefully it's given people an insight into, you know, the Intermediate Championship clash more as a whole. Um, 
you as a, as a person, because that's what we want to highlight here. Everybody has a story and it's not just about the hurling, you know, that's why we're looking at your work career and, you know, mental health and just an all around kind of uh, introduction to who Brian O'Halloran is. And I, I wish you the best look for, for 2022. I had to think what year it was because they're going by so fast. Um, yeah. 20, 2022 with Clash more, And like you said, intermediate is going to be very tough this year, but hopefully, you know, you can get a, a good run and I wish you continued success. Thanks, Vinny James. Great chatting to you today. Thanks, million. It's been a pleasure, Brian. Wherever you're listening, whether it be Ballyduff or Ballygunner, Passage or Portlaw, Dungarvan or Dunhill, tune in to I Love My Club by the podcast that brings you closer to Camogie and Hurling in the Waterford club scene. Don't forget, Hurling is our passion.